Hello and welcome to Being Boss episode number 59, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. You guys, today we have my friend Meg Keen on the show. And Meg is one of the most like boss ladies I know. Um, not even just boss lady, straight up boss. And you might know her from the empire she's created from the ground up called A Practical Wedding. It's one of my favorite websites. I've been married and I still read it. Um, And then she's also written a best-selling book under the same title and just released her newest book, A Practical Wedding Planner. Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Hey guys, I want to take a second to talk about our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy to use invoicing software designed to help creative entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Now, I personally use and love FreshBooks. I first started using FreshBooks whenever I was a solopreneur freelancer. I remember I did the free trial, which you can try your own free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. So I started with a free trial and after 30 days, I had to commit to a plan. And what's really great about FreshBooks is that the plan starts at just $9.95 a month. So I promise you that it is an expense that will pay for itself because using software like FreshBooks will make you more efficient, it will help you get paid faster, and it will just help you be more legit. So stay on top of your business with a clear picture of its financial health. Try FreshBooks for free today. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Try your free trial for 30 days, and then after that, you can start a plan for just $9.95 a month. All right, back to our show. Uh, Meg, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So I was trying to think about when we first met, and I feel like I've been doing this to all of our guests lately. Like, let's reminisce about whenever we first Memory met. Memory lane. <laughs> but it's like a true testament to getting on a plane, going somewhere, and meeting people in real life. Because we met at a conference. We did. Do you remember I, I introduced you around to everybody? I know. You were so nice. I was like, like, this is Kathleen. She did the most brilliant thing on the blog sphere last year. <laughs> That, I remember saying that to like 50,000 people. And then I'd be like, and she has good hair. Uh, and that so was your Tibet, your Tibet thing. Was it? Was I, it Tibet? No, no whatever it was. it was earlier. I feel like we met six years ago. Did we? I remember, here's how I remember it, is that I was still writing under jeremyandkathleen.blogspot.com. You were. And having to introduce myself to everyone at this conference as... I'm Kathleen of Jeremy and Kathleen. And everyone was like, who, what? Who's Jeremy? Where is he? the only person who knew me there. <laughs> no one knew me. Like I was not a big deal and I'm still not a big deal, but like I was really not a big deal. But oh, you were so deal. kind and introduced me to all of your big deal friends. 
And <laughs> this is terrible. Like, what do I say about this? No, I was like, oh, Kathleen's here when I got there. I saw you walking with like some people I didn't know. And I was like, I wonder if she'll talk to me. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, then we took a cab ride. We had dinner together and we both bonded over our secret past. Oh, right. Can I tell Can I tell our you listeners? You can. Emily probably doesn't know this. So I used to do medieval fair reenactments. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> it's not even that secret for me. My my parents met at Renaissance Fair, y'all. I mean, I, like, don't really write about it on the internet because I feel like it, it pegs me as something I'm I'm just probably not. Like a big because, Ren Fair dork? Well, I mean, I am. <laughs> I don't know. I was born into it, legit. So, um, yeah, I was a fair rat since forever, since, like, I was a little bitty baby kid. And I think that actually has shaped my um, – professional life and my business more than anything else. And I've never said that in public, uh, but it's really true, I think. And and I love that. I remember actually over dinner, like whenever we bonded over this, you were like, no joke. And, um, and you told me that you were building your sponsor model for a practical wedding off of kind of the Renfair yep. vendor model. Yep. 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 Because I grew up as like a boothy kid. So, and, and like, mm, it makes you a hustler. Oh, so let's, let's, since we're doing it, let's tell my favorite fair brat story ever, which I think um, applies to both Kathleen and I in real life. Uh, so the joke is that an out here um, Renaissance fairs have been going on since the sixties. Um, and um, like, I know the family that started the first one in their backyard kind of thing. Um, and so it's really like wandering into the the 60s that's like still happening more than anything um not like when you go to fair but when you grow up there so anyway the joke is that fair brats are like the ultimate hustlers and my favorite story of all stories is this little kid who was like all dressed up in his costume and wanted to uh like make some money off what we called the turkeys which is the patrons <laughs> um it's like the guys where they would have like the stacked paper beer cups like you know you they were like 10 in and they were just there to look at boobs um, so he's like this little kid, like eight or whatever. So he ran this hustle selling magic beans where he would just like hold his hand, like be like, it's a magic bean. Um, and then he would sell them to people for eight American dollars. Oh my God. I totally <laughs> sold magic beans whenever I was a little fair brat. <laughs> did I you did for the real? exact same thing. Yep, and people would make bank. But like, I would also juggle. Like, I could juggle, too. So I feel like I was backing it up with a skill. <laughs> That's Kathleen's real life. She's like, right? beans, but I can juggle. Forget so, yes. being boss, I can juggle. It's actually literally the most, it's the one skill that I have that impresses my husband the most. Oh, my husband can't juggle, so that's not <laughs> impressive to him. Okay, let's go back to... Meg, present day, not doing <laughs> Ren Fairs. Um, give us, for our listeners who are not familiar with a practical wedding, can you give us like a quick little rundown, <laughs> a real quick, of a practical wedding and um, kind of building that up? But I want to get into talking about kind of more of the behind the scenes of what it is to be a boss and to be a mom and a boss and to be a boss of a team and then also get into some um, mindset stuff whenever it comes to handling an empire. But like, you know, and I say empire, but like it's totally, I think the way that you've run it is it's achievable. 
I've been I've been complaining about these like bankrupt billionaire guys, and your empire's not that. Well, it's good because I don't have anywhere near a billion dollars. So, but you're on your way. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'll quit talking now. You go. So I started. I started this project eight years ago, um, and the really quick like story that sounds made up but is actually real is that um, I came home. I was wedding planning. I was like. I was like two weeks into wedding planning, let's be for real. And it was sort of that early, it was the first year-ish of wedding blogs existing. Um, And I was kind of obsessed with them. I'd been reading blogs since 2002 every day. um, And they had just sort of turned into businesses. I was really sort of fascinated. Um, And my husband suggested I start a blog and call it a practical wedding, um, which which was like so self-interested because he just, it was, it was another primary year and he had just started, um, a blog and called it a practical or practical progress, which was, um, like a democratic policy blog or something that lasted for like three whole posts or something. And he was like, we could have the practical family of blogs. Um, so we started it or he started it for me. I was like, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how to do blogspot. Um, and, Ah, the rest is kind of history. I mean, it's just been step by step since then. And um, it's probably not the most interesting thing to talk about because it's really just like, it's been a gradual increase over time. Um, but I think the probably the more interesting sort of backstory things are, um, one, I have my I have my MFA or my MFA, <laughs> like I went to grad school. I have my, <laughs> I have my BFA in um, experimental theater from NYU. Um, and I always, so this was like always my intention, right? Like all I ever wanted was to go into business for myself and have a creative business. But unlike Kathleen, I didn't have as clear a path, right? Like I didn't have like a hardcore skill set and I, I dropped out of, um, doing theater by that point. Um, so it was kind of like it started and I was like, I think this could be the thing. And then literally like two weeks in, I was like, this is the thing. Like I could just feel, I was like, hit the groove. This is the thing. Going to take it all the way. Um, and I started it very intentionally with the idea of it being a business, which is funny because if you look back on the early, um, posts, like you just, I don't think would, would know that. Um, and yeah, and I've written two books and now I have a staff of, um, there's three of us full time and like two other folks that make up sort of another full-time person. So it's essentially a team of, of four, um, and that's where we are right now. Um, it's, it's funny that you say that you started the blog with a lot of intention versus me. I had like a clear cut path as far as having a skill set of being a designer. But whenever I started my blog, that was just a passion project on the side. There is no intention of turning that into a business. So it's just interesting to see how happy accidents happen and how really intentional growth happens in different ways. Yeah. And it's just not a happy accident. Like I, I always try to stress that because I feel like it looks like a happy accident. So it's easy for people to be like, how did this lucky thing happen to her? And I don't like, obviously life involves luck. The way I always point out, like life involves a lot of good luck and a lot of shitty luck. Right. <laughs> so it's just like that mix in the middle, but like it, it feels, I think it feels less achievable if you're like, oh, this is just this magical thing that happened. And it, and it never was that. I want to ask you about whenever you went into this, into your blog as, as a business, because that's, 
almost unheard of. Like usually people start blogs and they become businesses, but for someone to start a blog with the idea, especially that many years ago, I mean, now I think a lot of people do it, but then probably not so much. So my question is about that first business model. Like what was that like for you and how has it shifted? So I'd read a lot. Um, I was sort of an obsessive internet user, right? From And from early, you know, I'd been reading blogs since 2002, 2003. So that's super early. And that was back when it was like web journaling. I was never into um, live journal, but it still was like you called it like a web journal or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I just was really obsessed with the form. And it had started maybe in 2006 to start to be something that people need um, money at. And I, um, I don't know. I just have an obsessive brain, I think, um, in, in a way, like in things that I'm interested in. So I just like kind of did this like obsessive internet research. I would dig into like, like I found at some point links to like, (laughs) links to, (laughs) to the places like the, the federated media, which, um, was sort of the huge advertising network for blogs for a long time. So I figured how, out how to get to their page where they sold ads to corporations. Oh. And, yeah. Um, Wait, I, like you hacked federated media? No, no, no it's, pu- it's public. It's just like hard to find. It's still public. Um, <laughs> but you can only now find it if you have a bookmark, which obviously I don't have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I went so far as to like go in and like look at everybody's uh, ad rates and look at their traffic, which is posted on it, and like do math as to like what the top bloggers were making if their ads were full at all times. <laughs> at one point, oh, I looked. Uh, yeah, I was talking to a friend who was one of the early sort of bloggers making money, and I was like, "Well, I did a quick calculation on what so and so was making." Like it was just like my casual dinner table conversation, <laughs> and she was like, "Meg has done a quick calculation as to what God is making," and I was like, "If the numbers were available, <laughs> I definitely." Um, but you know, I like get drunk at bars and and start questioning. Um, bartenders about business models like I really wanted to know there's a bar here that does like a a whiskey and a PBR shot deal and that's and they sell like high-end whiskey but that's clearly how they make their money and I got drunk and had a bartender like break down to me exactly what the cost margin was on that That is hilarious see this is why you're a boss is because you're talking about boss stuff while you're wasted yeah wasted I was he was like calculating okay well by the case it costs this much and um, so yeah, so I started it with, and I'd done some reading about like what the business models were. Um, and so I've never written, I feel embarrassed admitting this, but I've never put a business plan on paper ever. Um, and it's partially cause I'm always like, who has time for that? Like, you just got to do what you do. Um, and working in an industry that's so just so rapidly changing, when people talk about five-year plans, I'm like, how does that even make sense, right? Like, we didn't even know the apps were going to be a thing five years ago. So, like, whatever five-year plan you came up with about your internet website is probably... one year. Yeah, totally irrelevant. Um, And one thing I want to say quickly about the business plan, I've never done one either, except if you were to look at my Evernote notebook and my Slack channels and... My Asana, there's my business plan. It's like yeah. in the work. Oh, for real. Well, and we just like the amount of time. I think people, this was like what people would not know about um, APW behind the scenes is the amount of time that we spend 
talking strategy um, and media strategy and sort of what's going on online and et cetera is enormous. And um, Maddie Eisenhart, who's my digital director, um, so we both went to NYU six years apart, um, but her degree is in, um, I always forget what it's technically called, but it's essentially in media studies with a focus on TV. Um, and so her, I mean, she, like her intellectual, like brain space is taken up with how media develops over time. Um, so the number of conversations we've had about like, you know, this, what's, what Lucille Ball and Oprah Winfrey have in common, which is, by the way, they both own their own mean, owned their own means to their own production. And they did that because, um, they were women and they were working in women's spaces and nobody thought it was very valuable. So they were able to basically like, you'd be like, I'm just going to own the rights to this. And everyone was like, I don't care. Like what a waste of, what a waste of time. Um, and then become extremely rich, um, by in doing so. Um, so just the amount of time we spend talking about like the evolution of media and where we think things are going and, you know, literally like down to the dollar looking at like how that impacts ad revenue and in different business lines and what's going to go where is, is enormous. And I think it's like, the most fun part of my job. So, which is why I guess I'm good at what I do. <laughs> I want to, I want to um, fast forward a little bit because I think that you've done a lot of interviews on growing a practical wedding and that's really cool. But one thing that you don't talk a lot about in public or online is your kiddos. I don't. Yeah. So can we talk about that? Let's get into it. I'm not going to say their names, but otherwise let's do it. That's okay. So you have two kids two kids a boy and a girl yeah and i almost said their names right now (laughs) um yeah my son is just turned three on thanksgiving um and my daughter was born on the fourth of july (laughs) can we call them can we call them jack and jane we'll call them jack and jill it's easy jack and jill okay so we'll call them jack and jill so jack is wait sorry you said he's three he's three jill was born on fourth of july so she's like eight months seven months seven months okay um, you are super, super private about what you share about them. And whenever I was becoming a mom, so Fox is, he just turned two. So you were someone that I could easily look up to because, um, Jack was one year older than Fox. And I really didn't know how to handle how much I put him online or not. So like, how did you decide as far as privacy goes, what to share and what not to share from, yeah. from basically from the get go, from the get go. Um, so <laughs> let's just, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, I have a hate forum, <laughs> which doesn't make me special. I think anyone who writes online at this point has a hate forum. I've actually never been there, which is funny because my hate forum is apparently, I'm convinced that I like read, read them on the regs. Um, but I've never been there. I like don't even visually know what it looks like. Um, though let's say it, let's say it, whatever. So my staff does go there sometimes, mostly because the hate formers, uh, hey, go me, spend so much time on the site. They actually spend more time on the site than the staff. Uh, so that it's like a super handy way to catch any error that we make. So. Oh, oh my god! Like they'll point out typos. Or... Oh yeah, so we like totally treat them like employees, like staff. Yeah, yeah why, they... why pay a copy editor when you just have a hate form that'll do it for you for free? <laughs> once they did like a tally of how many comments we'd gotten in the in the 
the month and then how many comments we've gotten in the month a year previous. And then they actually um, like went through and counted how many comments were staff and backed them out. No, they didn't. Yeah. So we, we just, I put it in my book proposal. <laughs> oh my God. No, you didn't. <laughs> it's helpful. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go to the site. I, I legitimately have never seen it, but that they were like, hey, they did this. And I was like, awesome. Could you pull the numbers? <laughs> really, like, wow. I don't want to do it. I wow. love that so much. Um, so, uh, but because of that, I just really felt strongly that um, they don't deserve my kids. And they certainly deserve, don't deserve my kids by name. You know, because I don't want here's my- the deal. I, for people who are unfamiliar with the hater site, I have a form on there too. I'm not sure if Emily does because I mean you probably do at this point. But um <laughs> I don't I don't go on there either when because like it's just toxic. Even even people that I haven't liked before, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what they say about them. And then I read it and it just feels toxic. Yeah, it's bad. You know? So talk about like intentions and setting intentions. Yeah. It's all the all the so it's really gross and you'll feel gross reading it. And I don't recommend any of our listeners giving them any sort of traffic at all. It's just not worth it. And it's gross. Like it's just bad juju. So anyway, this hater site, they'll make fun of what you look like. They'll make fun of what you're wearing. They'll make fun of your content. They'll make fun of your work. They'll make fun of everything. Including and your kids. your children. So I'm pretty sure the hater site said that I got pregnant to boost my status. <laughs> That is, I mean, pregnancy uh. is a pretty easy thing, and so I generally do it to boost my traffic numbers. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go, guys. There's a good tip for boosting your traffic. If you want to boost your traffic, just get pregnant. And it's funny. Is, like, so there so is, easy. let's be legit, there's a there's a thing called the baby bump online. <laughs> Not actually like the bump that you get when carrying a baby. <laughs> um, but if you put pictures of your kids online when you have them, you will get a traffic spike. Um, and I also kind of didn't want to participate in that. Um, the, the hater site, um, is it's toxic, but there are part, there are parts of what they say. Like if you take it as like a big picture message that I think are not, they're coming from the wrong place, I think, but they're not necessarily like in invalid, right? Like I have been really working to take as much ego sort of out of my work as possible, um, and I, that's sort of like, wait, let's, let's go there. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Taking ego out of your work? I mean, especially when you're building a business, I think that in, in real life terms, like you have to sort of, I mean, maybe there's a, a, a enlightened way to, to do this that I have not yet discovered. Um, but I think when you're building something from nothing and everybody thinks that what you're doing is a joke, which is like a peculiar phenomenon um, if you are, say, female and work in a female-oriented space. I mean, everybody experiences it, but if you're, say, like I mean, a lady. I'm to laugh, but I'm laughing because it's true. It's so true. If you are a lady with a vagina and you work on weddings, people basically think that you're unemployed, right? Like my company, I say this with great love, and my husband would tell you this too, my company like vastly out-earns what my husband earns, um, but people basically think that I'm unemployed, and he's a lawyer, so people think that, like, I'm living off him, <laughs> which is just, like, not at all the truth, but how how it's perceived. So when you're building a company under those circumstances, um, I think you kind of, there's, 
I don't know how to do it, I think, without leaning into ego a little bit, because you have to be a little bit like, I just fucking believe in myself, like 150%, because the world does not, right? Like, you kind of just have to go there and be like, I don't want to say you have to go there, because again, maybe there's a way to do it otherwise, but at least when I was younger than I am now and building a company, that was kind of the way I knew how to do it, right? And then I had to be like, I want a practical wedding to mean something. I want it to be like a brand that means something. Um, it doesn't, obviously. Like I have 30 readers. Like I just kind of have to like lean into it. And now that I'm at a place where um, that is not the case, right? Like we're one of the biggest wedding sites in the English language. Um, I am really trying to... I have been for a number of years, actually, have been about since when I got a hate for him. Um, have really just been trying to, like, I don't want it to be about me. And I, I don't, I want the work to be about the work. And um, I feel like I'm struggling to really articulate this, but. Um, no, I get it. You know, there's, there's ways that, like, I have to be a name. I have to be a face, right? Like, brands have to have names and faces attached to them. Um, but that's my work self and that's my public self. Um, and that's not like, I really try to be conscious about the fact that like, that is my work self and I am a different person than, you know, it's me bigger, but like, that's not me. And I actually think a lot about, um, artists, like musical artists, for example, and different ways that people approach things. And, um, my husband always points to, and I think that the people that approach it as like, this is my job and this is this thing that I go do. And I am a separate person are the ones that, um, stay like often literally the sanest, right. And that don't really go off the rails. And the example my husband always points to is Bruce Springsteen, right. Who's just really like, it is a job for him. And he, he like, crafts a show that's about a performance and about making his audience happy. And like, he's like, this is my job and my job is to like do it well. And then he goes home and is like a person, um, as opposed to say like, I don't know, Bob Dylan, who we saw in concert and is like obviously an amazing genius, but like, I think Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan's work are pretty synonymous and God knows he doesn't craft a concert based on like what you care about the most as an audience. Like I, I definitely watched two hours of like B sides of B sides of like a gospel album that he did once. Right. So, um, I just try to be like, this is a thing that I do. And then I am a person. And, and I think for me keeping my kids, um, you know, they're not totally offline. They're like on my Instagram without like ever their full face. Right. But like keeping them held back and keeping sort of the really personal parts of motherhood held back, um, helps me do that. Right. That I can go home and be like, this is my personal life. My business profits in no way depend on my children. Um, and you know, this space is not like space that also exists online. And that's just really helpful for me. I feel like I had to fumble through all of that a little bit. I definitely blogged about my pregnancy a lot. And I did blog about Fox and people obviously know his name. I've even thought about saying that Fox isn't his real name, even though it is. And you're like, oh, that's his like moniker, you know, but. Spoiler internet. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> that's take, not true. Take that, go me. <laughs> his, um... his real name is John. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so. Anyway, I kind of had to fumble through it and make some mistakes as I go and change my mind as I go. And I'm constantly changing my mind about the boundaries of what I will share and not share whenever it comes to my child and being a mom. 
Um, I'm more comfortable. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out a way to share about being a mom that doesn't bring Fox so much into yeah. the story. Like I can yeah. share my experience, but I, I'm not allowed to share his experience yeah. because it's his, he owns yeah. that. Yeah. So I, it, may, it might happen in 20 years, you know, it might not happen right now because I'm in the shit of it. Yeah. And for me also, and I feel like Emily should really be telling us what's what because <laughs> I know seven year old. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and, I was just thinking about that too, because you guys are definitely like on the front side of that. Like you have young kids and, and like they're not being affected by it at the moment, but having a seven-year-old who sees what I do and like, and who knows, like whenever I Instagram, like she'll like watch me, you know, put, go through the feed and she's like, how many likes did it get? And I'm just like, okay, look, like this is not what it's about or the fact that she's tried to talk me into multiple times into getting her a YouTube channel. <gasps> I just talked to my friend at all about this. I'm not going to name her name because it's like, you know, her kid and her story, but she, I think she'd be fine with me telling the story. So she's this, this friend is sort of a big deal by which I mean, like has a much bigger business than I do. And her daughter is apparently obsessed with having a YouTube channel and she's like maybe nine. Um, And so she makes these YouTube videos, but they're like YouTube videos of like how to make a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) And then apparently half of the video is her yelling at her brother and being like, (laughs) shut up. Oh, you're such a terrible brother. So you put the jelly on and (laughs) then at the end will apparently point down and be like, like the video and like make a heart with her hand whatever and they're like yeah yeah okay yeah sure that's on your youtube channel no no it's not right that's that's amazing because that's exactly like that's what they're seeing lily's favorite thing are those like unboxing videos of like kids or adults who will like unpackage toys and and do youtube videos on them which i think i mean obviously it's a thing and so high five to anyone who does it but i just i have other things to do with my day (laughs) (laughs) watching other kids unpackage toys so lily wants to do this and i mean this has been going on for probably i mean at least a good solid two years because i would say about two years ago we got uh we picked up the ipad that lily uses it's not hers we never call it hers but um (laughs) the 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 ipad that she uses and she had been recording videos and not like posting them anywhere she does in her mind i think like that's all you had to do was just record them but they're of like she put the ipad down and it's of the ceiling so you can't see her you can hear her unpackaging things and talking about it and like it's just it's hysterical and kind of amazing but also like completely and utterly frightening for kids these days to be exposed to this idea that you just sort of share without thinking and not understanding what any repercussions could be uh, it's of worked it. for me right <laughs> kathleen's always doing unboxings i mean I don't, right i don't know what you're talking about no the sharing without thinking i feel like if i had known what i was doing as i was doing it i don't know i would probably be a lot more self-conscious right well yeah um, I, I completely agree but you weren't doing it when you were seven that's i wasn't i wasn't i mean seven. it's it's funny because, like, I am going to hustle my kid to <laughs> – I'm going to hustle my kid down to Renaissance Fair and get him a job. No, I mean – but it's kind of true. Um, I had my first – I had my first, like, eight – and this was mean, like, not my parents. I was like, I need to be getting a job. Um, so I had my first, like, eight-hour-a-day um, 
two days a weekend kind of thing job when I was um I was 11 it was the day before I turned 12 (laughs) I turned 12 on my second day of work (laughs) in violation of obviously like every child labor law um and I will tell you that I was the second best salesman on that like super competitive like high-powered pewter sales team um, and the only reason I was second best that year is because when I went to sell something really expensive, like a goblet, they would take it around the corner to do the transaction with quote, an adult. Um, and the top salesman was like, had no ethics. And so she would totally like steal the, the sale <gasps> from a child. Oh yeah. Wow. So, but my, my oldest in particular, um, is like, he's literally like a chip off the block. Right. And he, He's a hustler and he's a charmer and like he, I think, just needs that discipline at some point of like, I need to be like, now get to work. Like, now this is how you earn a dollar, which is terrible. And my husband is like totally the opposite, right? Like never had a job, didn't have to work in college, like the whole nine. Um, But uh, yeah, I want them to have that work ethic. So like, I want them to get a job, but like they are not getting a job on YouTube until they're <laughs> older Sponsored than at that. age eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. You got to learn how to like hustle for real first (laughs) at a rent fair. Exactly. Hey bosses, did you have a case of FOMO? That stands for the fear of missing out. When you saw all the being boss magic go down for our being boss vacation in New Orleans. Fear not friends, because we are planning another boss vacation this spring in Miami. Miami. So it was really hard to figure out what location to go to, but we've never been to Miami. And the reason why we do these boss vacations is to cultivate our creative pack, see different parts of the world, get some face time with each other, connect with each other, and live the boss life. So to learn more details about this boss vacation, just go to lovebeingboss.com slash Miami. We hope to see you there. Um, I want to rewind a little bit though, talking about essentially personal branding. Like this is where my mind starts to go to, because I'm really obviously interested in personal branding. And I think that blending who we are into what we do is a really great way to make a creative living. But as I'm growing my own personal brand, I'm starting to feel the need to have more things for me in my personal life, which is probably why I'm posting less of my baby now than whenever he was little. Also, I had a creeper like every single photo of him. So I, I deleted them all and stopped. Um, but I guess I, I just want to like touch on that, that, that sometimes being who, like you were saying, I'm, I'm the face of this business. And I don't feel like the Meg I'm talking to right now is like business Meg. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're still you, right? What right. you say? Like you're not putting on a show. No. Like like now or ever? I mean, or I mean, you know, ever. I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure that you're putting on a show. Sometimes you're a theater major, but <laughs> um, well, this is this is like in the middle, right? Like I'm I'm aware that people are listening. I'm not using my kids' names, right? But um, I do have like just straight up like professional Meg that is probably not the Meg you're talking to right now. Um, the one I'm talking to, like the New York Times, um is the person on display. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, So there's like a spectrum. Yeah, there's a spectrum. And, but the personal brand thing is interesting because, and you, 
feel free to debate me on this, both of you guys, but I don't really consider myself to have a personal brand. We've worked really hard to make APW a brand that is not a personal brand, right? We've sort of, there was this really fascinating article. Um, anyone who like writes online should look it up if you haven't read it. It was in, it was on the cut, um, like a week or two ago about young house love and them quitting the internet a year and a half ago um, and sort of what has happened since then and then sort of the ways that they have and haven't been able to quit the internet. Um, and there was a quote in that that was saying like, you know, blogs were made on on people's like personal brand and now everybody does that, right? Like everybody uses Instagram and social and whatever, um, but you you can't have a popular site unless you sort of put it all out there. Um, and I just did a presentation at Alt Summit where I put that quote up and was like, this is not true. Um, and, and I think that that's what people get told a lot. And then people put stuff out there that they don't necessarily want to put out there. And then are like, well, that's like how the game is played. That's how you have to play it. Um, and I always just want to emphasize to people like, it's your ship, right? Like, it's your show, so you should be making the choices. So anyway, long story short, as I went from having a blog to sort of having a website um, and having a brand, I, I've really just tried to back myself out of it a lot. Um, and yeah, so I just, I don't feel like I have a personal brand. Like I have, right, like I'm Meg Keen on Twitter, but that I don't have a, I don't have a ton of followers. I mean, compared to like any of our brand numbers. Um, and it's not like a, pla it's not a business platform for me, you know, like, you can see my daughter's ridiculous tutu that I put her in, but that's like just kind of me just putting her ridiculous tutu on the internet. Um, I, I agree actually. So I don't think that you have to put it all out there to have a personal brand. I do think that you have a personal brand. It's just not. Explain. It's just really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say this because like, I don't think that you would be on this show if you didn't have a personal brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that I think having a personal brand a lot of times is just having a personality, right? It's just yeah. being who you are. Um, but where was I going to go with this? Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I will say though that while you're thinking of that, that like the site is absolutely like a reflection of who I am and what I do, and now like what my team does and what my team who my team is and what they think do you know what I mean like well and there's a difference between per having a personal brand and being a good leader you know yeah. and and I mean you can certainly have both but I think what you've done with the site is you've had a vision and that's something that right. no one can ever replace for the boss of a business is your vision you can outsource pretty much everything else but vision yeah and I think my employees would tell you that that's what I do best and that's what I do do you know what I mean and they are all smart and aligned with the vision and whatever but they you know I was just on maternity leave so they operated without me for a while and the interesting thing is when I came back um Najva who is our um content manager so she was hired sort of shortly before I went on leave and so she worked without me for a long time before I came back um and when I came back she was like oh it's a lot more fun and it was basically because I take more risks, right? Because, like, I know exactly what I want to do. I have experience with it. Um, so I will, like, publish all kinds of posts that my staff on their own won't, right? And But also, like, I'm the person whose job is to go in and take content and make it, like, the, the line in-house the line in is that my job is to make it 20% better. And my job is just to 
just to focus everything a little bit because I just have this really specific idea of what we're doing. Um, and even though everybody's like totally aligned with that, um, it's still sort of at the end of the day, I'm like the front end of the spear, which is how it should be. Totally. So, okay, let's go back to motherhood a little bit. Just being a mom and a boss. I know that your kiddos are in daycare. Yeah. They like are. this is why we're both. And so, so is mine. And this is why we both have colds right now. Yup. <laughs> Thanks daycare cough. Right. So, um, can you talk a little bit of just about like motherhood and being a boss in general? And I, I'm scared to use the word balance, but I think you get my drift. I feel like I do have some balance. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm really curious what Emily has to say on this. Cause again, like much more experience, um, <laughs> I'm only at year three. Uh, but I kind of think this, I mean, whatever, you can, you can debate this 20 ways from Sunday, but I think this idea that like women can't have it all is, is bullshit. There's this great Nora Ephron quote that obviously I'm going to totally fuck up, but it's, it's something like, I assume that you will have it all and you'll have it all in a bunch of different ways and throughout your life. But like, of course you'll have it all. Um, so, you know, the popular idea is like, it's just too much to ask for. Um, and like, you know, obviously things are not going to be perfect and obviously like corporate life and whatever. There's a whole conversation about like public policy and corporate life and all of the ways that women are penalized. And that's not really the conversation I'm having here like that, whatever. We could talk about that all day. Um, but but sort of beyond that, like I, I do feel like I have it all, right? Like my kids are in daycare and – I'm not going to lie to you and say that, like, I hate being away from them during the day. Like, yeah, I love them and I miss them. And um, But when I'm at work, I'm frankly, like, thinking about work. And when I'm at home, I'm thinking about being at home. And I just moved into an office outside the house. And I think that's really, really helped with that. Um, and obviously, I have flexible hours. I, I mean, I work, I work, I certainly work a 40-hour week. But um, I have the flexibility to be like, I got to take my kid to, to the doctors. Um, but yeah, I mean, I dropped them off and they are happy and well cared for and, you know, beloved in my son's case, at least because he's a little charmer, right? Like he has, he has someone that like we refer to as his second mom at daycare. They, he just like fell in love with her when he was about four or six months old and you know the kids go to their house in East Oakland all the time and like (laughs) have their their sort of like other family um and they like consider the kids to be kind of part of their extended family so we lucked out in that but like I don't know I don't feel bad dropping them off and like why should I my husband doesn't feel bad dropping off the kids and going to work right yeah exactly I don't know exactly I'm the same exact same way and um, if anything, I love that daycare is potty training my kid. And I even love that they get to have first experiences with Fox, yeah. even if I miss it, because my God, like they're putting in the work. They should be able to celebrate if you peed in the potty or whatever it is. I just feel like the more people that love your kid, the better. I, you know, and that is like, it's funny because we keep coming back to this, even though I never talk about it publicly, but I grew up. Growing up at Renaissance Fair, like, I I grew up in, like, a legit community, right, where when I walked down the street, everybody thought they were my mom. Like, people I didn't know thought they were my mom. Like, everybody (laughs) felt like they could tell me what to do. And (laughs) that was just, like, how it was. And um, so I think I approach things a little bit differently. Like, I I expect that my friends will 
you know, not in an extreme way, but I expect them to like discipline my children in, in that, like they are adults in the community and my children are children. Right. So when we had kids, we kind of had to retrain people because people would sort of do the equivalent of being like the baby's chewing glass. (laughs) And I'd be like, are you a grown ass adult or are you not a grown ass adult? Like stop the baby from chewing glass. And they'd be like, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Right? And I was like, well, I would like him to not hurt his esophagus. Um, That's so funny. You know, one of my good friends recently asked me, I think Fox was doing something in front of her and she was like, how, what, what should I do? Like if I were babysitting him and he was doing this, what should I do? And I was like, use your best judgment. He needs to learn that he'll be disciplined in different ways from different people. Yep. Like obviously don't hit him. Right. And I trust that my friends aren't going to hit my kid. <laughs> right. But, you know, other than that, like, do whatever, put him in timeout, take yeah. the thing away from him, distract yeah. him, like whatever it is that you would do, do that. Like, I trust you. You're my good friend for a reason. Go for it. I watched Maddie having this amazing conversation with my son where she was like, I don't like it when you do that. I find it disrespectful and it hurts my feelings when you yell at me. And you watched his face go like, oh, you know? <laughs> and she was like, I just feel like that's a conversation we need to have. <laughs> Nice. I like that one. <laughs> I'm going to try using that one on Fox tonight. Yeah, I think it doesn't work on your own kids. <laughs> Have there been any struggles with being a mom and a boss? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't even think so. I don't know. I think that I am a better – I think I'm a better boss. I think I'm a better – I frankly think I'm a better person for having kids. Like, they made me more patient. They made me more – empathetic they probably made me love myself more um they've made me understand other people's failings more um and and the business has every time i mean i gotta stop at some point but like every time i have a kid the business grows hugely and i think (sighs) it's the same sort of community thing right like when i have a baby i have to put my trust in other people right i had to hire someone to replace me when I went on leave this summer. Um, And every time I put my trust in other people and put my trust in other people's vision and other people's skills, um, then the business grows hugely because I'm not the be all end all. Right. And other people see things I don't and have different strengths than I do. Um, So my business has taken like a huge sort of a huge, I mean, we've doubled in the past year. And I am not going to tell you that's unrelated to me having a baby and being gone for a couple of months. And that happened last time too. So, you know, I can't keep having babies for forever. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just, and I want to like stress that like I am lucky and I am privileged and I have the ability to put my kid in good daycare. And like, I think that should be something that is a right and that isn't a right. And like, right, like all of those things are absolutely true. And without those things, it would be a different situation. I have a job that pays me well enough to put my kids in good daycare. But that being said, um, I don't know. It's good. It's good for me to have a hard stop at five. It makes me more efficient. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about getting into, like, one of the things we talk about a lot on Being Boss is getting in the right mindset. And I know that recently you started working with Jay Pryor, who has been on the show. He's my executive coach. You worked with him a little bit. Yeah, I've worked um, with him a lot. Before we got on the call, Emily was like, I think I need to call Jay. Like, I think. doesn't need to call Jay? So I think he mentioned me in the, in the podcast. I was like, oh, I think he's talking about me. And then um, Maddie, my coworker, listened to it and was like, you realize he was talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I made a little cameo. I think I, unless he, he may have a lot of clients like me, but I think I was the one who was mentioning when he said like, I just have this client who's gotten really clear on the fact that she just needs to be having fun, (laughs) which is a paraphrase. But um, thanks to Jay, I do have a post-it somewhere in my office that says, I do what I want. I do what I want. Um, Jay got that mantra from me. So I got Kathleen's mantra. Actually, he was telling me That's like the bratty little sister mantra. I do what I want. And I'm the big sister. He was telling me this story about like a friend he had that was like super New Jersey who was pumping gas. And like the person ahead was like, beep, beep, move up. And she said in like the most New Jersey accent, she turned around and was like, I do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) So we're trying to make that my driving force because my driving force is like the opposite uh yeah i'm i'm like the grinder i'm like i will just work hard 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 because that was the key to my success like growing up in a poor area and not having a lot of money not having a lot of resources was just like i'm smart and like the way i'm gonna get out of the situation is just to work unbelievably hard um and i just kind of never stopped Man, I want to point that out because I think that that's what a lot of us bosses experience, you know, through teenager years of getting first jobs and then college, if you went to college and then afterwards, just like this nonstop hustle, right? And at what point do we get to enjoy it? I feel like I'm at the point where I really do get to kind of enjoy it, like enjoy all the hard work that I've done. But now I'm so freaked out Mm -hmm. that it's going to stop because that's what's gotten me here, right? Yeah, so I did this. I mean, it's been like a power thing working with Jay on this over the past few months um, that I just really worked on on shifting things um, in like so many ways. And it's interesting because especially on being boss, I think you guys talk about it a lot in terms of like the woo-woo sense of, of things. and And that's there, but I think so much of the work is actually when you break it down um, about like your neural pathways. And I, I mean, it's like, it's kind of backed up by science. And a lot of the stuff that Jay specifically has me work on is exactly the same stuff that I've learned. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder um, and like taking classes, like cognitive behavioral work on anxiety. Like the actual science is so similar to like your brain gets hijacked. Like how do you, like things really do become beliefs because you think them over and over, right? Like you do just pattern a neural pathway and how do you like make a new neural pathway that thinks differently? And, you know, you put yourself in a different like sort of mindset over it. Um, So yeah, so we've been really working on like shifting to me focusing on like ease and essentially working smarter, not harder. And that has been a huge focus then with a team as well. Um, and it, it ended up, we ended up doing a whole bunch of work at the end of the year that was, and this is like not what you would expect from like talking about woo woo stuff, but like we did like a data dig on like our site and our business and how it works, um, and ended up realizing that we could cut our work by a third in terms of like content that we're producing and increase our, our traffic numbers. And I would attribute that a hundred percent to sort of Jay's pushing me to, not grind in the same way because I just do this thing where like, yes, there's a, there's a, there's, you get to a point where you're like, maybe I can enjoy this a little bit. But I think that for a lot of us, we just are in this neural pathway or this brain space of just being like, 
I just have to work really hard and I have to look like I'm working really hard. Um, and it means that we don't work smart or we don't like go to the gym and come back. Right. And, and when you go to the gym and come back, like you're in a better space and you get more done. Um, so I just had to stop that habit of being like, I'm tired, I'm out of it, but I'm going to sit here at the computer and like attempt to just grind it out, even though I'm not doing anything right. Like I'm just kind of spacing out. Um, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a big shift for me. And that said, there's like times when you can't, I remember listening to an early being boss episode, um, where you guys were talking about like all this stuff you do in a day, like meditation and whatever. <sighs> and I was like on my way to a work event on the weekend and was in the final stages of writing my book and was in like, you I was in like the worst bad state of writing on Gomi about us. No, I started having a, a panic, like a legit oh, panic attack. No. Oh no. <laughs> like I was sweating. I was like having a hard time breathing and I was like, I don't think I can listen to this anymore. <laughs> in the show notes, it's the one on the to-do list. So, <laughs> oh, so I got to, I got there and my coworker was like, yeah, you cannot be listening to that right now. <laughs> so like, you know, there are times when it just like is what it is. Or when I was working 60 hours at an investment bank and working 20 hours running the site on the side, right? But like when there are moments that you can back off and like not work at that same fevered pitch, I think it's important and I think it actually is what lets you grow. I love that Italian because <laughs> one of the things that I have found coming up a whole lot lately is like, especially in the world of like women in this ebb and flow of like energy and we can talk about the moon if we have to, but this idea <laughs> and even for entrepreneurs, like, you know, we all work ourselves into this grind, like hustling things out, um, get burnout. Like we hear about it all the time, but I feel like there is so much to say there about this idea that there is, there are absolutely times when you were working your ass off. I mean, I, I recently came off of the busiest two weeks I have had in almost a year where I put in more hours than I have, I think in some months, um, in the span of two weeks. And, but it's not the norm. Like you come in and out of these, of these high intense times and it's, it's coming out of it. I think that really makes, really makes this I don't want to say the smart entrepreneur, but kind of in a lot of ways it is where you have to recognize that there are times to step back and get back in a good, healthy flow so that the next time things get crazy again, you're fully capable of attacking it in the best state. Yeah. I just couldn't get off the couch yesterday. I'm actually doing a bunch of like work on the website that it is pretty, it's pretty mindless, but it's also, I have to do it. Um, because I just know the content better than anybody else. Right. Um, but I was, it was like the most important work I could do, but it was getting shoved to the bottom of my to-do list because it seemed so mindless. Um, and so I finally realized that like the best thing I could do was get out of the office. I'm going to do this after this, after this recording, <laughs> get out of the office, go home, sit in front of the couch, binge watch something on Netflix and just do it. Right. But it felt like, well, that can't be work because it feels good. Right. But it's like really yeah. important work. And the other day I was like, I just can't get off the couch and wa stop watching United States of Tarot while doing this work. <laughs> United States of Tarot is my binge working show like, too. Yeah, I went through an episode within like the past, or a season within the past few days. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel like I went through all four. I think there was four seasons in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just and like so that's what you've been doing. <laughs> no, this was before the holidays. But my coworker says to me, she said the smartest thing. So speaking babies, right? She goes, you know how sleep begets sleep? And I was like, I do. Kathleen and I both have kids Wait, that don't what? sleep, right? <laughs> sleep begets sleep? I yeah. haven't experienced that So yet. the better they sleep, the like... People will, like, not want their kids to nap a whole bunch because they're like, well, they won't sleep at night, right? Well, the better they, like, the better they nap, the better they sleep at night. Like, and this happens with my kid. Like, if he gets off his flow of sleep, then, like, forget it. We're up at 5 a.m. every morning. And then you have to, like, get him back on the flow. So it's like sleep begets sleep. She was like, sleep begets sleep, hustle begets hustle, chill begets chill. And she was like, you are chilling. (laughs) So... That is why you yeah. can't get off the couch because she was like, January, you hustled. Like the book came out. We had a big conference. We had another big deadline. It, we started January. And with this like intention of ease, I sent an email out to my team on the first workday of January, which was, this is going to be the hardest month of like my professional career. And a lot of you guys is, you know, a lot of our life like professionally while on the site. Um, and we just have to go easy on ourselves, forgive ourselves, and realize deadlines are going to get blown and, like, it is what it is. Um, and we just really tried to be really intentional about that. And we got through it and we went to the gym. But, but like, you know, we hustled. And she was like, you just came off pushing yourself. And, of course, it really was, like, hustle begets hustle. I also, like, picked up a personal training habit the same month and was like, I'm going to lose the baby weight faster than before. Um, I was just pushing myself on every single front. And she was mm. like, now you're doing chill and chill begets chill. And like, unless you do the period of chill, you're not going to do the period of hustle next time it comes around. Emily here coming at you to talk about managing your schedule. One of the hardest things about being boss is how many people can be vying for your attention. From clients and customers to online buddies, real life friends and family, and more, scheduling time to focus on your work or yourself gets more and more important the more boss you get. Our friends at Acuity Scheduling are here to help you take back your calendar, giving you the functionality you need to easily block out times for focus and leaving time open for checking in with clients and friends with an easy-to-use interface that matches your actual schedule with available appointment times, making it impossible for your schedule to get hijacked by another meeting. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for your free 60-day trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Now, let's get back at it. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Like, is there anything else that, like, you're like, if I get on Being Boss, here's what I'm going to say. Oh, I have two things. Okay. Okay. One, I think you were just talking to the to a guest about this. Um, the idea of, and you guys can put it into better words, um, the whole like being driven by our fears instead Ooh, of by yeah. our dreams or whatever. Okay, so let's take like a power moment because <laughs> because this happened right before you guys did that episode, and I was like, what? So I'm 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 finding this piece of paper now. Um, Because I keep it now with me in my planner. So I have been going through my office at home um, because I'm moving everything into office here. Uh, And I found all these old manifesting like notes. It's not even like I have a journal, just like sheets of paper where I would like write things that I wanted or whatever. So I found these two sheets of paper from 
September 2010, so essentially five years ago. Um, and it's amazing. It's a double-sided sheet of paper. And it's talking about me going to work for myself, which I did in January 2011. So this is three months before when I kind of knew it was coming. And on one side of the piece of paper, I wrote goals, like why, and a list of the reasons I wanted to work for myself. And on the other side of the paper, I wrote risks. And it was all of my fears about working for myself. So I find this sheet of paper and it is insane because nice. every single thing on the goal list, if I read it to you, it just no. it, it is a description of my of my actual life, right? Get out. Yeah, including I wear what I want. <gasps> it, oh my god! Oh my god! I do what I want. <gasps> <sighs> Sorry, I just saw that. Full right circle. There. Crazy. On the other side of the piece of paper, it's all the fears. None of them came true. Well, None of them. Can you share some of the fears? Oh yeah, sure. Um, and, and of course the fears list is twice as long, right? Cause that, <laughs> I get depressed when I don't have structure. I want to be able to separate my work life from my home life previously covered on this episode. <laughs> um, I worry too much about being broke and it all falling apart. No uh, one is stressed uh, around that pup. I need to be around people or I get stressed as Emily and Kathleen know my coworker just left the office with her puppy who was in the office having puppy oh, day. Nice. Yeah, Whoa. I know. We have puppy and baby day. Um Can you I, talk about that puppy. What's that puppy's name? That puppy's name is Gaia. Oh. Because their their first puppy was named Juno, um, who's the god of marriage. Because right? they got us in nice. marriage because they got her before they got married. And this puppy's name right? is that's Gaia what I was expecting. That's the goddess of the earth and they want to uh buy property manifesting i thought you were gonna say her name is gaia because they're total hippies no they're totally totally not total hippies that's the crazy part they're like just not hippies at all yeah her husband's an engineer oh yeah engineer husbands yeah totally not so anyway so risks and goals and i just found it so fascinating that like I I have anxiety disorder, y'all. Like, I live my life by, in so many ways, I live my life driven by my fears. And looking at a sheet of paper from five years ago, my, like, dreams are 100% accurate and my fears are 100% inaccurate. <laughs> and that blows my mind. So, I would never have pegged you for having an anxiety disorder. I... <laughs> I just use a lot of glitter. Yeah, no, I totally haven't. <laughs> I have like a long-term depressive issue. I had like severe partum uh, depression with my first child. Which means you were depressed while you were pregnant. Yeah, which is like really common. It is rare. In, oh, no, it's, it's really common? common. It's really common. That's the crazy part. It's really common, highly underdiagnosed, and there's like almost no awareness around. And And I did not have postpartum depression either time. I had like postpartum elation. Um, so yeah, but only people, it's like underdiagnosed, whatever. I could, whatever. I could rant all day. But yeah, so long-term depressive issues, but I'm medicated and only have, am now, uh, am now medicated for an anxiety disorder, but I've just been like muscling. I've been grinding on it, on just like doing it on my own, uh, with an anxiety disorder for years and years and years. Wow. Is the medicine helping? 
Oh, it's we can edit this out, but no, you don't have to edit it okay. out. I I will also say, like on the record, that I was on antidepressants when I was pregnant for the second half um, with my son and the entirety of the pregnancy with my daughter. Um, and it's scary for people, um, but like it's so unsafe, <laughs> so unsafe to be severely depressed when pregnant and like not take care of yourself. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the medicine, uh, is totally helping and I mean, I'm doing the other stuff. I'm like going to therapy and like doing meditation and whatever, but like, I don't know, my brain chemistry is just like not always where it should be. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I just feel like in control of my personal life in a way that I didn't like, I'm like, I'm going to do the laundry and the dishes and check the bank balance. <laughs> uh, but I do have one other thing while we're like making this the longest episode ever that I didn't want <laughs> that you can edit out later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it. So can we talk for one second before we end this about actually being a boss? Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't want to just like spew because you guys. No, please do. Because I feel like <laughs> it is such a touchy subject. I feel like Emily is really good at being a boss. I feel kind of scared about talking about being a boss because literally I work with my sister and my best friend and I'm always so like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> Your sister trusts me. It strikes me as someone who can take care of herself. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Tara is a boss. <laughs> Yeah. Tara seems like she's got it under control. <laughs> I do not work with my sister. <laughs> um, I don't know. So being – I don't even know what I want to say. I just know that I feel like it's not talked about enough. Sometimes well, I'm like, I think a lot of our listeners are solopreneurs, like just yeah. side hustling, trying to work for themselves. And I know a few of them do manage a team or are interested in hiring but don't quite know where to begin or how it even works. So I always say that um, you should not ask me questions about hiring my first employee. You should ask me questions about firing my first employee. Um, In that I just, I I feel like hiring is the easy part. I've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, And I think that it's, Oh God, I was so bad at it for so long. Not necessarily a bad boss, but like bad at knowing when to call it in a way that I think is bad for everybody, right? Like, you know, and especially like if you fire well and I try to, you know, whenever someone leaves in any capacity at this point, like we try to make sure there's severance and people are taken care of and whatever. Um, But I just try to overly take care of people in a way that I don't think takes care of anybody, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't take care of the business. It doesn't take care of the other team members. And it doesn't take care of the person I'm trying to take care of. Because when they are in a situation that is not where they want to be, it's not – like, I'm not doing them any favors. Um, And, you know, so I just think that it's easy to get into it being like, how do I hire when, like, you really need to think a step down the road. This is like even good relationship advice. Don't with your with your partner, with your kid. But but seriously, I was gonna make a joke about it, but like you probably shouldn't get married until you've had a conversation about divorce, right? Like Oh I, Jeremy and I talk about our divorce every week. Oh, that's right. Oh, your own divorce. <laughs> and I'm you, just kidding. I mean we've we've both been divorced. I was gonna say you and guys so, have both been divorced, so we've both been divorced, so it was an easy conversation to have before we got married, and we really don't talk about our divorce because <laughs> 
I'm, I'm in it for the long haul with him, but it, it, I'm not afraid of it, you know? Yes. And I wish that I wasn't afraid of firing an employee in the same way because I'm terrified of firing an employee. Yeah. So I will quote a friend, um, who has a lot more employees than I do and just gave me super wise advice, um, which was fire fast. Um, and it's funny cause I'll tell that to people and they're like, no, cause you have to get your ducks in a row because of, you know, employee lawsuits, which is crazy because at least California and most states are, are, um, at well employees or employment states, right? They, they can quit at any, right? Like we don't have people on union contracts. Um, I mean, we personally do not have people on union contracts. Um, so, you know, they can quit like, you know, my employees could stand up in the middle of the day today and be like, I'm out. And that would be that. And likewise, they, you know, you could fire them like that. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so brutal. Um, but she was like, just don't drag it out. She told me that, that this story about how she, um, like literally at 11 PM one night was like, I need to fire this person. And, and she like called them in for a 7 AM meeting and like they had their boxes packed and were like heading out before everyone else came in. Um, and you know, she's a great person and a great boss and I'm sure gave her severance and, a good recommendation in the works, but, um, I kind of didn't realize how true that was. And it is, it's so true. It's just like, you're not doing anybody any favors, but I will say beyond that. And I, I would guess all of you guys can back me up on this. I think actually being a boss is the hardest thing that I do. It's, I've had a lot of terrible bosses and I think I'm a pretty good boss because of it. Like, I mean, terrible, like emotionally abusive bosses in New York city theater. Um, so I think I'm a pretty good boss because of it, but it's isolating, right? Like my employees are my friends, but as someone put it at a party and some of them are very good friends. Um, Maddie, our digital director is the godmother to my oldest child, right? Like friends, like, right? Like you work with your friends too, but and, yeah, my, and sister. My, my employee <laughs> is also the godmother to my child. Yeah. Boom. That's how you do it. No, but yeah, someone right. said at a party and I was like, it's true. They were like, your employees are your friends with an asterisk. <laughs> and they were like, and the asterisk has a lot of footnotes. Um, mm. And it just, it's true. It's hard. It's isolating, right? Like you have, you're helping people pay their bills. You're helping support their families. You have a lot of responsibility. And um, like my employees are able to be friends in a diff- with each other in a way that I cannot be friends with them. And it, it sucks sometimes. Like I just want to be friends on that same level. But like I. I can't. I have responsibilities to them in a different way. It's like it's my, a lot like being a parent. Like you cannot be friends with your kids in the same way that yeah. you can be friends with your friends. Or I was best friends with my husband in a really platonic way for a long time before we got together. And mm. people were like, "Oh, I married my best friend," yeah. and I'm like, "I actually did marry my best friend." <sighs> and I don't think he's my best friend anymore because there's responsibilities there. You know, it's it's not the same. Yeah, that's what I got. Uh, so I have a question about, um, so we're, do you have time, Meg? Yeah. Am I holding you over? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. So I have a question, and Emily, I feel like you're really good at this, is giving employees feedback. Like whenever you love your employee, and in general, they're doing a good job. And I'm not saying this because any of my employees need it, but like how do <laughs> Tara. you- Tara. Tara. <laughs> Looking at you. <laughs> how do you give 
how do you have hard conversations with employees that you like? And oh, want to God. Talk? Can Emily go first? Yes. Yeah, you go first, Emily. I feel like you're really good Yes, at because you do it just like you have a hard conversation with anyone else. Like, you just say what you mean and... I'm, I was about to say, tell me what that's right. like. Yeah, what is that like? <laughs> you, I mean, it really is just like, just like any... Just like any other hard conversation you have to say with, or have with someone where, you know, you're talking to another person. They're going to appreciate you sort of getting to the point and saying what you mean and delivering it in as kind a way as possible. I mean, sometimes you can't deliver feedback that is hard in a just sweet way. Like there's yeah. sometimes it is just hard. And and I think that's also where you learn like the quality of person you're speaking to. Like I, I recently had to give some feedback to um to someone who didn't take it well, like who took it so painfully personal that um that it said a lot more I think about them than it did about like anything that was happening. And and for me, like that moment is always the moment when when you see how in it an employee is. Like if they're in it and they're going to, uh, then they're going to take feedback constructively and they're going to, you know, do what they need to do to continue, I don't know, investing in what you're doing together. Um, but if they're done, they're done too, in which case, fire quickly. <laughs> fire quickly. Um, have you guys read the... Shonda Rhimes' new new book, The Year. No, yes. do you like it? Do you like <gasps> I love it, and I don't like any celebrity memoirs. Like whatever, I couldn't get it through Bossy Pants. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like okay. speaks to my soul. I love it. I will download um, it. But she actually, I actually had some like life breakthroughs because of that book. Um, but one of them was, or one of the things she talks about is the difficult conversation. Oh, she talks about something about being a boss too, which was, she said this on, um, to Terry Gross on Fresh Air. And I was like, oh my God, like sounds so obvious, but oh my God, she was talking about, um, the very beginning of Grey's Anatomy and, um, not wanting to cast an actor that everybody else wanted to cast. And how what she learned is power isn't power if you don't know that you have it. And that has, like, within two months, like, changed the entire way I view being a boss, right? Is that, like, I have a lot of power over people's work environment and their lives and how they approach things, right? People are modeling what they're doing based on what I'm doing, right? Because I'm the leader. And, like, if, if I don't use that power well, then then that's on me. But specifically, she talks about hard conversations and and she talks about how when you, exactly what Emily said, that you know where someone's at when you say no in a way that you don't when you say yes. That mm. she talks about someone asking her for a lot of money and her having to go back to them and being like, I can't do that for you. And then the person just like screaming and launching into this huge thing about how, like how much they resented her and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, oh, oh, this, oh, this is what's happening. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. oh, oh, I'm real glad I didn't give you that money. Right? And that you can say no and you can always say yes later. But like if you say no and you find out what's going on, right? And it's the same thing with hard conversations um, with employees. But the the thing I really learned from that book was you could – because I, I think I, – I hope other people have this problem where – I just like live in this middle ground of bitterness sometimes where I just like don't know how to fix something. And so I just feel bitter about it, um, which is like not an attractive trait. But sometimes I get 
stuck in it and I can't get out. So what I learned from that book is like, I can choose to have a hard conversation or I can choose to not have a hard conversation, but I have to own that choice and it's on me, right? So if I choose to not have a hard conversation with an employee and they keep doing whatever shit that they're doing that's like a problem, that's then on me, right? So I think that has helped me like figure out when a hard conversation needs to be had and when it needs to not be had. And back in the day when I worked in theater, I actually went through a period where this is like the most unfeminist thing I've ever said in my life. Um, but I did not want to work for women anymore because I had just been burned too many times. And one of the things that happened was that when I worked for women, they wouldn't tell me what I was doing wrong and they wouldn't give me a chance to fix it. And when I worked for men, they would come in and be like, dude, you fucked this up. Right. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, how can I not do that anymore? Um, and I think it is something about the way we're socialized and it's just so much more helpful to have someone come to you right when the problem happens, not like three months later when they been bitter about it self, right? And be like, hey, you fucked this up. This in this particular way, please don't fuck it up again that in that way if you can in the future. It's just like then you can do your job. And I think that the key there too is that, you know, these were your actions that I'm not agreeing with and not speaking on someone's character. Yes. And I think that's what even happened with Emily recently and giving someone feedback is she was, I mean, I don't know all the details, but um, maybe, anyway, it's about the actions. Like, hey, this was done in this way. This is what I'm critiquing. This is what I'm giving you feedback on. And then if someone takes it as an attack on their character, which I'm guilty of too. Like, someone tells me that they don't like the logo I made for them, and I feel like they're telling me I'm an awful person. <laughs> you know? So, like, I think... And they're like, all... I just didn't like that pink, Kathleen. So... <laughs> right. <laughs> So I think that we're all, you know, guilty of taking things personally. And this is where, so for me, probably being a better boss and um, having hard conversations and receiving hard conversations um, is Dan Miguel Ruiz's book, uh, The Four Agreements, which is a Jay Pryor favorite. And the chapter on don't take it personally is one full circle helped me deal with haters. So someone asked me recently how I dealt with the hater site, and it's it's that chapter really did it. Um, but I still talk about it in therapy. Let's get real. And then, and then two is um, oh I can't remember two. I also wanted to say uh, I wanted to talk a little bit with you guys about delegating. Do you have a hard time letting go of control? Do you have a, a hard time delegating? What's that like for you? I feel like I'm getting a lot better at it. Like a lot, a lot better at it. Um, and I mean, the hard thing is, the hardest thing is hiring somebody to do what you do well. That's the hardest thing. Totally. Hiring, hiring people to do stuff that you don't do well is like, right? Like I have someone who does sales. Like I, that's not my thing. I don't want to get on the phone and sell you. Like I, I can't. Um, so that's easy. I'm like, you do you. But when I hire someone to like do content, which is like my core skill set, it's hard. Um, but yeah, I would go back to what I learned with like being on maternity leave, which is when you just like have to back away is that like the more I let people play to their strengths, the stronger the company is and the guiding philosophy of our company and anybody in the company will tell you is, is sort of twofold. It's if you have an idea, bring it up. And the answer is usually 
fuck it, let's try it. Unless part of my job I do feel like is to save people from themselves, right? Like sometimes my employees will come to me and be like, I have this great idea. And I'm like, yeah, it is a great idea. And you were never going to sleep. So no. (laughs) Um, But in general, it's sort of fuck it, let's try it is the answer a lot of the time. Um, And two uh, is, is that everybody is expected to give honest opinions in a kind way, obviously. And I've had to retrain a lot of people on that as they come into the company because um, women are not taught to do that, I don't think. But it's sort of the like, it's the thing you learn going shopping in high school, right? You don't want to bring the friend who's like, that looks great on you. And then you buy it and like two weeks later, they're like, yeah, actually it's terrible color, but I don't want to tell you because you liked it. And you're like, now I spent 20 bucks. It's like, what's wrong with you? So I've had to train my employees on the same thing, right? Like if I come to them and I'm like, is this a good idea? And they're like, yeah. And then I do it and it's a terrible idea. And they're like, oh, I knew it was a bad idea, but I didn't want to say anything to you. Then I'm going to be like, what am I actually paying you for? Like, I'm, I'm not hiring you to be my yes man. I'm hiring you to like be a real person. I think that with, I think that with delegating and just sort of being in this place, because I, I feel myself talking about this a lot with like, a lot with like coaching clients at the moment. It's being a boss tends <laughs> to, it seems to be where, where my like, content is at the moment in one-on-one conversation I know right (laughs) and so like whenever you are hiring people and delegating your what you do to other people there's there is this shift and maybe this is going back to what you were saying a minute ago about how like being the boss is the hardest part of what you do because it does add a whole other dimension of what it means to be boss and and delegating is by far one of the one of the most difficult things to do and especially if you're not hiring people who are better at things than you are um I don't know I I find myself talking to a lot of people who begin resenting like employees or or even themselves for bringing in employees because you know because they're not delegating correctly like they're not giving guidance this is something this is something I'm working on (laughs) hardcore especially as as we're growing our team is is delegating in a constructive way um and but also like going into those hard conversations and and saying what you mean and expecting people to give feedback constructively as well because um because it is certainly a thing where women in particular have a hard time giving honest feedback um so I don't know I guess just all the things absolutely being a boss is is adds a whole other dimension you what being a boss is so so doable if you do the work Guys. Right, it That's is what it is. It is. I have one thing to add about delegating because I feel like I'm pretty good at it, actually. <laughs> Please laugh. You know what? No, you should. Kathleen's really good at delegating things to herself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh god, my cat. Okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about. Okay, so you were saying fail fast, or no, no, I'm sorry. Fire fail fast. fast. Fail fast Fire is good fast. too. If you do Fire that. fast. Um, I, my thing is delegate fast. I will hang on to something forever. And I'm like, why did I not just forward that to Caitlin or Liz or Jessica? 
or Emily a week ago. Yeah. You know, and so that's what I've learned is to delegate fast. And then also, this is going to sound really simple, but bullet points and bold, like mm. in an email, make delegation so much easier. Oh, so, and Slack, y'all. Are you guys using Slack yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we use Slack. Oh. I have a harder time with it because I have a harder time, like, finding the old conversations and then I have to ask again. I don't know. We pin it to your channel. No, but our team lives on it and it gives us like a virtual workspace. Plus now there's a thing where you can do like slash Giphy and then just type a word and it yes. brings up a gist. <laughs> I didn't know we, that that's how it works. We possibly spent all morning doing that. It like randomly assigns things. You're like, we're going to start a Slack channel for a being boss club. I'll do it. Oh, but, oh, I should, this is literally staring me in the face. So I have a sign on my desk now that says, a big sign that says, do more of what makes you happy, which sounds so like woo woo and like whatever. And it is there because it is a management strategy um, that what I have learned is that you want as many people in flow as possible. Um, And we talk a lot about being in flow at our company, right? So if you were doing things that you like and you're good at, you are in flow and you are doing it, you know, efficiently and well and fast. And if you are misdelegating things, everybody is out of flow and everybody is like struggling and it's an uphill battle. So we do a lot of figuring out like what people are good at and like focusing and refocusing, focusing. We hired someone to do mostly content. One of the ways that she's sort of most in flow is um, looking at data and, and like basically figuring out systems for efficiency. She's the reason we're on Slack, um, for example, um, and really like using data to grow the company. So, so we switched it up. We then brought on someone part-time to do writing, which is one of the things we brought her on originally to do. And she's a great writer, but um, she's, she's like much more valuable when she's like in her flow state. Um, and so that has been, I, that has like revolutionized the company, I think for us. And that really comes back to that whole like ease and not grinding and whatever. But when I find myself doing something where I'm like, like we're going to a conference and I was looking at hotel rooms, which is like a silly little thing. Right. But there's somebody on the team who's like, literally her flow state is like, calling hotels and like (laughs) figuring out how to spend our money and like talking them into giving us a better deal. And right. So it's like, I should not be the person calling this hotel because it's feels like putting needles in my eye. And for someone else on the team, it's like, boom, 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 making the magic happen. So yeah, that is my management strategy these days. That is so huge. We do, we do that in the studio. Like every couple of weeks, at least I sit down, you know, with the team and I'm like, you know, are you liking what you're working on? What do you want to be doing more of? What do you want to be doing less of? Like having that open conversation with your employees I, it, on so many levels, like it builds the trust and the friendship and all of that jazz, but it also makes them feel a part of what it is that you're doing. Like Chris, for example, Chris, for example, uh, applied to be a designer for for me. And whenever she came in, I loved her immediately. And I knew she had to be around. And now she doesn't design. Like she is... Um, 
she assists me in all kinds of things and does like client communications because her jam is like is communicating and writing emails she writes some killer emails um and she does social media which she's also really great at so she came in as a designer but through some serious trial and error and like just really finding out what she wanted to do she found herself in a place where she's doing a lot of what she wants to do and I think keeping that conversation open with with any employees like someone that you bring in as a VA or someone that you bring in you know to do full-time work or whatever it is like doing more of what you love is exactly how you enjoy what you do but also your employees enjoy working with you as well and you get the most done I don't think anybody on my core team now that I think about it does what they were brought on to do and love that is so much better for it yeah like our person who does sales she is the head of revenue for the company she was brought on to do editorial oh wow you know like and she did it for a long time and then she was like and that is that I think is what happens when you let people pursue their passion projects too when they're like I want to try this and you're like sure as long as you can like get your functions done and get your work done then yeah pursue that often the passion projects turn into like what they do yes because it's what they're good at I love that this has given me so much food for thought I love it. I'm going to journal about being boss now. And with Please that, do. we recorded... Being a boss like Meg. <laughs> when with that, we've recorded two episodes, you guys. I know, right? Like, maybe we split and it part up. Part one and part two. That'd be nice. We did, like... We did a second episode on being a boss. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mini-sode, but it's, like, a 30-mini-sode. Um, I think that'll do. Yeah. Oh, wait. Let's talk about where can people find you, and we'll include all of this in the show notes. Tell us about... Your website, your books, yeah. All let me that. let me pitch the book I just wrote for like one second. No, um, I if you want if you want the book, you know you want the book. It's really as simple as that. So, um, online I am at practicalwedding.com, um, which is actually not just a site about um, weddings. It's a site about relationships, but also we publish some good stuff like what it means to be a Muslim in America today. So we just sort of, we pursue our passion projects um, there. (laughs) Um, Wait, okay, now we have to go here. I can't help it. Is that confusing for you as far as branding goes? Are you like, maybe it shouldn't be a practical wedding? uh, We are looking. Like, what's your life like? Yeah, we are looking in, uh, we're trying to figure out how to expand, and we have been for a long time. Um, But... uh, Oh, so the real answer on this is um, we have grown into one of the biggest players in in the wedding space, which is cr- crazy, crazy. Um, and uh, so we just like we just surpassed Martha Stewart Weddings. Um, in, I know in size last year, and now we're like noticeably noticeably bigger, both online and like in print. Um, and next up is Brides Magazine. We're gunning for it. Um, me and Anna Wintour. <laughs> nice. I, I know. I forgot she was the head of, like, the de facto head of brides until last week. And then I was like, I'm going to change all my passwords to me and Anna. Um, yeah. So we've grown so much in the space and we're the largest independently owned, um, wedding site, uh, on, in the English language right now, which is nuts, you guys. It's nuts, you nuts, keep saying nuts, in the nuts, English language. Nuts. Are you gonna? Are you about to translate your website? <laughs> no, it's because I legitimately am like, there's probably a bigger site in China that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 
There's, I used to say there's a bigger site in India, but then I found the big wedding site in India, which is actually really good, but not bigger. So <laughs> it's wedding please, P-L-Z-E, I think. Um, it has great tools, but they are in rupees. So that's your over under on that. Um, so as we've grown much, much bigger than we ever expected to grow, we sort of had to lean into that. I mean, it would be dumb not to lean into that. Um, so we keep intending to expand because we have so much stuff in the non-wedding space. And then it's just a question of time. And I mean, I'm talking about this on a high level, not, not like high level, but you know what I mean? But I think that every entrepreneur deals with this, that you have a limited amount of time and resources and you have to kind of figure out like, are you going to branch out? Or are you going to go deep? Um, and right now I feel like we have to keep going deep because we would be dummies not to right now, but like there's branching out possibility, but kind of the only way I could do that is to take funding, which would be a whole other show. But like, I don't, I'm just not so moved <laughs> to take funding right now. So I have to make choices and I'm choosing to go deep instead of go broad, which I think is often a better business decision. I, I just feel like you guys know, as like looking at a zillion, you know, working with a zillion people, but I. I've seen a lot more businesses die by going too broad too fast than by going deep. And I love, though, that it's still not keeping you from talking about issues that are important yeah. to you, like equality and feminism and diversity, yep. all yep. of it. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so. Okay, where am I online? <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, so I'm at a practicalwedding.com, which is not just wedding stuff, as previously discussed. Um, but if you are planning a wedding is one of the bigger resources online and certainly one of the best in terms of, uh, feminist diverse wedding planning with actual real information that isn't just about taking all your dollars. Um, on Instagram, we are a practical wedding on Instagram. I personally am Meg Keen, and that is where you cannot find pictures of my children's faces. <laughs> so don't expect too much from that channel. Um, and, I have two books that are both bestsellers in the wedding space. One is called Creatively, A Practical Wedding. That's my first book, and it's really about sort of getting in the right mindset for planning your wedding. Um, and it's been a bestseller for, God, a long time now. And, and I think I'm in that book. I think you are in that book. Are you in that book? If I you think, think you're so, in that book, yeah. I'm sure you're in it. Yep, yep. Oh, you were in the proposal, as a matter of fact, for a long time. I had, a, like, a picture of your wedding. To like inspire me as I was typing the proposal. Because I think it was the home yeah, part. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. You are Keep for sure going. in that book. And um, buy it for Kathleen, y'all. <laughs> and then I just put out a practical wedding planner, um, which is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I spent um, like nine months researching and we interviewed like 50 wedding professionals so you don't have to. Um, and if you are getting married, you props want this. Um, if your friends are getting married, they probs want this. It's, it's the book I would have killed for when I was planning my wedding. It doesn't assume what kind of wedding you're having, but it does assume that if you're having tables, you probably want them far enough apart that people can walk between them. And you probably don't know that number. So that's me. It's so good. And what's funny is as I was flipping through it, cause I got a copy of it is I always think of you as being like a business boss running a content-driven website, not necessarily as a wedding expert. I know. So I'm curious, we should stop though, like I don't want to talk too much about it, but I just think it's cool that, like, oh yeah, you're a wedding expert. I know. At least you are after this book. Here's what I will say, I'm an accidental wedding expert and it's it's (laughs) kind of strange. And the New York Times like cites me 
Like, right next to... It's it's nuts whenever that happens. They'll be like... I love it. Martha Stewart and... No, Martha Stewart doesn't give interviews. That's a joke. But, <laughs> but like, Darcy Miller, I don't know. They'll quote someone that, and you're like, and me? How did that happen? And that's all I got, y'all. I got so boss. All right, thank you so much, Meg, for coming on the show. We will have all of your information in the show notes and all the things that you referenced in the show notes. Um, thanks again. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Did you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. And then, Meg, can you talk a little bit? Just like test us one, two, three, test, four. Test one, two, three, four. Can you get a little closer to your mic? Yep. Okay. You sounded really good. great whenever you leaned into your mic earlier. And then no, I, oh, is, let's see. You is sound really good? great whenever you're like closer to your mic, I think. Okay. Is this good? I'm close. Perfect. Yeah, that's yes. perfect. Just make out with it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> just just mm-hmm. lick that. Watch it, watch it. (laughs) But I do get to curse on this one, so that's exciting. It's my first. Oh, it's my first. first, My first cursing podcast. Yes, I love that.